Welcome to the Elevate podcast. My name is Sarah Hopkins. And I'm Amanda Noga, and these are conversations to elevate your health, relationships, and soul. Hey guys, welcome back to the Elevate podcast. Today we wanted to talk about something that has been coming up in our personal conversations quite a bit and we thought why not hash it out on the podcast. So we're going to get to the bottom of self-worth and the kind of elements that make up self-worth and I guess I've noticed in my own kind of journey, for lack of a better word, the kind of different roadblocks you come up against especially when you work for yourself and you're putting yourself out there in any kind of creative venture so with that said what do you think well yes it has been something that has been on both of our minds and i think we'll both expand on that but i was thinking about this topic today and i was thinking about my own self-worth and you know i suppose it has evolved and it's always evolving but it really has evolved substantially over the last 15 years but there was I suppose a moment in my life where I really came to the realization that I had super low self-worth and I think that was sort of a defining moment for me and it was actually when I ended a extremely emotionally mentally and a little bit physically abusive relationship and it took me a really long time to extricate myself from that relationship and by the time I had left that relationship I was literally a shell of a person and I absolutely bought and believed everything that had been told to me and I suppose in hindsight I can see that my self-worth was so low sort of leading into that relationship and there was some initial um, sort of boosting up by that particular partner which I think sort of was manipulative and persuasive enough to pull me into the vortex and then the sort of emotional breakdown started to occur and I suppose looking at it in hindsight he really was just saying things that I believed to be true about myself anyway. So so at that point, when I thankfully was brave enough to walk away from that relationship and extricate myself from that relationship, I that was the first moment in my life where I realized, oh my gosh, like, I think I'm a terrible person. Like, I think I have no worth. And, and that is, you know, part of the reason why I allowed that sort of relationship to occur but but beyond that I started to really delve into what I needed to do to help bring my perception of myself up to a level that it should be and and look that was a long time ago and certainly it took a really long time and it is like I said evolving but I think you know we've both spoken about how and maybe in more recent years social media has highlighted and sort of magnified probably many many people's self-worth because Mm, we're really you know judged by that but certainly it's been something that you and I have literally sort of flagged and and Mm. had debates about really hasn't it over the last couple of years 
I'm wondering though, like when you're in that place where you you genuinely identify with, I'm a terrible person. How do you recognize, first of all, what's the first spark that makes you go, oh, that might not be true? Well, for me, it was initially therapy. Mm. So I had to see... So my mum, I actually had to leave my partner while he wasn't there because I don't think I would have been able to get away. That sounds a bit dramatic, but it was it was quite sort of compelling or, or, or I was stuck. And so, and my mum being a therapist actually said, look, I feel like maybe because of your childhood and, and whatever she decided from a psych- psychotherapist perspective, even though she's my mum, so whatever. But she said, I really think that unless you want to keep repeating this pattern with all the future relationships, you need to do some work. And it took a good couple of years of sitting there saying I'm a bad person to the therapist and the therapist saying but are you like probably being that sounding board reflecting it and going why though because you didn't do xyz and breaking it down so that was the process for me and obviously we're going to talk about some of our processes because I don't think that has to be the process no but I do think there have to be specific tools that we draw on if we're really going to do the work of yeah getting a healthy self-worth self-esteem going on because there's so much in our culture that's going against that so what do you how are you seeing self-worth come up you you sort of shared very um briefly about it in the beginning but what are the things that you're seeing coming up what i first kind of see is first of all the media and the way that the media and social media is really geared to make us feel insecure and um you know if we don't buy this particular product we're not complete basically especially like the beauty industry and fashion most media that's directed at women and i think in a way the social media platforms also perpetuate that feeling of not enoughness and it's a deliberate thing because then we stay on there we see more ads and basically make them more money So that's one aspect of it. But what has been coming up more recently and more personally is in my, I guess, relationship with social media and putting myself out there in terms of my work. I don't know if this would be a thing if I didn't have social media as part of my work. I think it's quite different if you're just a normal person with a normal job that doesn't actually have to use social media on a daily basis, unless it's your choice. But the the fact of the matter is these days, if you're running a business or self-employed, you kind of do need to have social media as part of the mix. Um, So in saying that, I felt really uncomfortable for years putting myself out there and being seen. Being seen has been like a big block, I would say, for me, or a big fear. And what I think it's boiling down to is tall poppy syndrome something that I brought up to you the other day and especially in Australia because I don't see it in America and I don't see it in London like you know in Australia I think we all probably know the phrase tall poppy syndrome Mm. and you know if you're growing above the above the crop someone or someone or everyone will do whatever they can to cut you down and I was trying to explain this concept to Mark because he had no idea what it was about he never even heard of it and same in London it's like 
in London, you kind of have to be a tall poppy to mm. survive. Like it's only the tall poppies that are there and everyone mm. is like shining and shining brighter than the next person. So, yeah, really unraveling this kind of old inherited cultural belief about, um, yeah, standing out from the crowd or being a tall, tall poppy and what the underlying fears of that are. It's like, is it fear of being judged or fear of people disagreeing with what you have to say or disliking what you have to say and getting backlash um it seems like most of the people that i know that do have massive social media followings they get a lot of haters haters they get a lot of haters get a lot of shade and i guess a part of me doesn't want that of course no one wants that but it seems like is that part of the parcel like the more seen you are or the more kind of respected or you could say like loved you are the more hated you are as well i think so you just kind of open yourself up to all of that possibility which you know it's where you choose to put your attention i guess but yeah there's so many things kind of loaded into self-worth self-worth so I agree with everything that you've said and I do think firstly the media and I also think deep embedded cultural norms I guess and, and, and cultural psyches but I also think like I, I can understand that you know we do have tall poppy syndrome here and particularly in Australia but I actually think like if you look at all of the sort of self-development programs and people from the the miniature ones through to your Tony Robbinses and your Gabrielle Bernsteins and everything in between like all of those seem to ultimately come back to let's find out what that sentence is that you're saying to yourself and it's some variation of I'm not good enough and let's try and kill it like with Tony Robbins it's like walking over hot coals or Mm. dancing and jumping up and down and saying these things and with Gabby Bernstein it's maybe affirmations you know Mm. but at the core of it I think it is and I don't know if it's it's an always thing but it seems like it's a modern human condition to have a sentence that somehow develops in childhood usually that we internalize and repeat Mm -hmm. and it might morph into something different like I'm fat or I've got I'm ugly or I've got big ears or I've got a big nose or whatever I don't fit in I don't belong but at the essence of it it's I'm not worthy Mm -hmm. and I think that I would I would hazard a very uneducated (laughs) guess that most humans walking around on the planet have that little subconscious dialogue running their program at all times mm. you know and the media just perpetuates mm. that and, and the media our is just, just a reflection that. of what we're actually feeling exactly exactly so you know i think this is such a pertinent and huge topic and i honestly think all religion all self-development really is ultimately coming back to trying to create the opposite of what a lot of us are just feeling and sort Mm. of perpetuating in our in our subconscious mind Mm. well i actually think religion has a lot to do with the feeling of i'm not worthy oh definitely well um institutionalized religion yeah 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 definitely and so that's like a deep maybe you know past generational wound that we're all carrying well, I suppose a lot of those religions. This is, I suppose, potentially getting a bit controversial. But some of the some of the 
constructs of some of those religions were really designed to control and suppress completely you know that's populations not, uh, that's an undeniable fact that's the way that the these patriarchal systems are set up and you only need to look at some of the religions and how they say you are literally inferior to whatever the deity is yeah. so yes i think there's all these different things but i i think that it's deeply entrenched in our in our consciousness in our subconsciousness and in our cultural consciousness so and you know circling back to you i think one of the points you made but for women it's even uh-huh. worse than for men because you know like i mean we've talked about this as well like men take up more space in the world and feel entitled to take up more space and that's cultural too like they've always been entitled to take up more space mm-hmm. you know it's only in recent years that we've started to even consider being equal to them you know so our self-worth is even lower more layered. yeah and more layered yeah um currently the way that i'm framing it for myself which i found to be a really tangible practical way to wrap my head around how i can actually cultivate more self-worth is i like everything i was looking at how it is reflected in nature so stay with me we're all made up of the elements right and what i see or feel is lacking in relation to self-worth is the fire element and not to like expand this out into doshas because it's a little bit more even just simple than that but basically we all need to have all of these elements in balance in ourselves and we draw on them in different parts of our life sometimes we're in more of a nesting phase a grounding phase when we're really working with the earth element whereas for me now and particularly looking at this self-worth stuff I'm wanting to cultivate the fire element in myself and that's what I feel is like maybe dim my inner fire is a little dim and so it's like okay on a really simple elemental level what can I do to stoke the fire of my of myself of my self-worth and if you like for me this works as well with speaking the language of the chakras if you kind of lay the chakra map on to these different qualities self-worth is all about the manipura chakra the solar plexus which is the third one which is also connected to the fire element so that's kind of another conversation but to me that makes sense well it's interesting just total tangent but not really that you know the that particular chakra is the digestive system and you know every human i've ever come into contact with has issues with their digestive system mm-hmm. so there is there is that There's sort definitely of blockage, a correlation yeah 100% or an imbalance you could say yes and you know i would say most people have a pretty dim digestive fire yes 100%. and maybe that is reflected in yeah our feeling of confidence our feeling of self-worth clarity in who we are and the capacity to stand who we are really Mm. steady you know that's what i'm talking about when i talk about self-worth and i guess if you were really embodied in that place and you're feeling super clear super confident um and just to like make a distinction i think a, a healthy 
confidence is also with humility. It doesn't necessarily mean like massive ego. There's like yes. a humble confidence that is natural. Well, you know, I think we were talking about this and I'm just going to throw this into the podcast. It's something from another podcast that it just seems appropriate and it's a little bit funny. But on Mamma Mia, they call it BDE, which which is big dick energy. Yeah. And and it's really just... uh, it's a feeling. It's not about gender or but genitalia. Exactly. It's a, I don't, the right word isn't analogy, but the analogy is really that it's confidence, but it's real. If someone has BDE, they have a swagger, a swagger but it's a swagger that comes from, it's not a, it, it's different to ego. Yes. That's, and not ego in the sense that we sometimes talk about it, but egotistical, narcissistic. Yes. Yeah. You it's know. a humble confidence. Yes. And it's the ability to just stand in your center know your worth know your truth and um you know it's kind of just yeah a fact yes nothing nothing can kind of take that away from you and i think if you were in that place then the tall poppy thing wouldn't bother you because you'd be Mm. like well i know who i am i feel confident and happy and clear about that and so whatever other people's projections are that's their thing that's their issue so how coming back to your point about the fire for you like what does that actually entail in terms of a practice well this is why i think again the yoga practice is really is key having the yoga practice first of all fire element aside it taps you into that feeling of knowing you are okay you are fully worthy you are whole and It doesn't need to be a cognitive effort to make that happen. Just simply moving and breathing gets you into that state and that feeling and you can rest into that, you know, through your practice. And having a touchstone for that each day, I think, you know, I don't know how people actually live without it or function happily without it. I think I'd be in jail if it wasn't for (laughs) yoga. I doubt it. (laughs) Well, I told you about my shop. You're way You're way too nice for that, despite those stories. But um, so I guess the way that I'm very deliberately working with the fire element in my yoga practice is with more like core activation stuff and really like even just so simple, like I'm lighting a candle, I'm putting it at the top of my mat and that's like my kind of focal point. And... um, what else yeah i guess just focusing more energy and more strengthening into this part of the body into the solar plexus kind of region of the body and i'm not talking about doing sit-ups absolutely not (laughs) but it's about cultivating heat and fire and not being afraid of my own fire does that make sense yeah embracing my own power and my own um personal will in that way so that's like in i guess the context of a yoga practice uh, yeah. So in terms of my practices, well, obviously I had years of therapy and I suppose I have been, I hate, it's such a cliche, but I've really been a self-help junkie, even from quite a young age. And my mum was quite a pioneer in terms of spiritual development. She was, you know, running courses in A Course in Miracles when we were teenagers, which was, you know, way ahead of the curve. So I've always had access to that stuff. So I think there was a, a part 
is, was, is a deep part of me that really recognized that voice, recognized that shadow, if we want to call it that, and saw the what the potential of the other side of that was. I think I've really felt that deeply inside of me since I was a child, but I've also felt the shadow so deeply. And I think maybe because I did have a tumultuous childhood, um, I did become a very reckless and sort of self-destructive adolescent and early adult. Um, then I fell into that relationship. I think I sort of perpetuated the, the, the shadow rather than the light, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I probably just made the work harder for myself. But I think, you know, for me, the work was once sort of your conventional therapy and then also complemented by lots of spiritual stuff like the Tony Robbins style stuff and A Course in Miracles and all of those and angel cards and all of those sorts of things and then I think probably another catalyst for sort of taking my self worth work to the next level would be finding the Czech Institute because you know I think that was what I loved wholeheartedly is that you know in his first book that I read Paul Czech's book How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy you know the, the food stuff was wildly sort of radical at the time there was not really much paleo stuff going on and it was sort of that stuff but then what pulled me in deeply was that he you know he overemphasized the necessity of healing the spiritual component of ourselves and doing that deep inner work and that was so that was compulsory to be a successful coach and to really enable people to heal and you know he's a shaman and he you know loves using plant medicine and he loves some very esoteric sort of things but I think doing working I guess through the Czech curriculum and 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 that education which I believed was to become a coach which was ultimately really about healing me so that I could be a better coach so well, that's what a good quality yoga teacher training is the same. Yes. It's really a process therapy. of transforming yourself, learning about yourself so that you can share that with others. Like we only share or teach from our own experience, right? It, yes, exactly. And that's like the core underpinning teaching of Paul Check is you can only teach what you yourself are capable of being and embodying. So I think that was probably, that's the biggest work that I've done and Um, you know Paul also has introduced me to some of the other thought leaders that have really just I I guess helped me stay on that continual path and I should say uh, that shadow side that that you're not good enough side that voice is loud that voice is there telling me shit all the time it's telling me my friends don't like me it's telling me my family doesn't like me you know it's telling me I'm fat some days it's telling me I'm totally not entitled to say anything on Instagram it's telling me to stop taking photos of myself and posting them you know it's horror it's a horrible mean creature and it's loud you know but it's about continually questioning that voice and and, and not believing it and yeah. and and doing whatever else like you suggested it's about doing those daily practices like for me meditation and and some subconscious integration work it's about doing that stuff all the time because if you don't do that you'll probably be a, a really nasty person and 
you know, potentially end up in jail, like you suggest. <laughs> so do you have this any... This is why I love the fire thing, because, you know, like I said, we're all made up of these elements and we all need all of the elements to be present and to be um, in, in, I guess, like a balanced state within us to be effective in the world and to be whole. So if you're only earth and you're, you know, super rooted, but there's no air, there's no kind of inspiration or movement, but if, or if you're, you know, lots of water and you're super in tune with emotions and feeling and creativity and all of that, but you don't have the fire, then those ideas, say, from the air element or the creative impulse from the water element, none of that can actually be manifest in the world without fire. And I had this beautiful experience with a ceramicist the other day. We were talking... She what was is talk- a ceramicist? Like a potter, potter... Oh, pottery right. person yes yes okay potter potter ceramicist that's a new word to add to my vocabulary i think that's what it what they're called she makes ceramics ceramic making person yeah <laughs> ceramic know. making person so she was of course super beautiful and very connected with the earth yes. and the water and the fire which was what was kind of sparking my interest and we had this beautiful conversation and basically she shared that you know the earth and the water that makes up this clay pot, it can't be utilized, it can't be actualized, it doesn't have a purpose if it doesn't go into the fire, into the kiln. Which needs air. Which needs air, which is air and fire, you know, to make it purposeful. Mm. And it's the same in our bodies and in Mm. our life. So to me, that's just, it's just natural, Mm. you know. I think often with the self-work stuff, you know, I'm totally on board for all the amazing resources that are out there, but I think it can get a bit heady sometimes. Definitely. And we can get kind of sucked into the world of self-work, self-work, more self-work, never enough. There's always another book to read, especially now in our day and age where we have access to literally every text that's ever been written at our fingertips. Yes. Every online course, every podcast, like it's all there. The work would never be done if you had to do it all, right? And also, I also think there's this like, I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm healing. And people spend their whole life just healing. Like that, that again, to come back to the yoga practice, it taps you into that state where it's like, I am healed. There's nothing to heal. I'm cool. Like I am already whole. That's my true nature. That's my natural state. There's nothing that needs to be healed, really, at the end of the day. That's a hard one, but I I totally agree. But that's, I think, you know, most people are so tapped into their own pathology around the need to fix and heal. And I think that's a major issue. Yeah, completely. But, you know, both are true. The wellness industry is feeding off that. So is the yoga industry. So is every industry. Every industry is. Media. Everything. Cosmetics, like everything. Yeah, it could be applied to every single industry there is. And I think what's really important for us at this time is to hold both of those realities as true. Hmm. So we are whole. There is nothing to be healed. And at the same time, We're we evolving. can use these resources, yes, to evolve and to come into a more full expression of ourselves. 
both are true. 100%. I agree. Actually, on that note, I paid a ridiculous amount of money to go to one of the sort of gurus, like, and by guru, you know, I mean um, someone that's quite renowned and well-known and travels the world running these sort of seminars, and I paid like nearly $5,000, I think, for a weekend there. And I did not, like, I was instantly disappointed and I I didn't even want to admit that not to Iggy not to anyone (laughs) not even to myself because we sat in this room for hours and hours over this whole weekend I wasted all of this I mean we were there till two o'clock in the morning I think on the Saturday night and then back again at nine and I that for me was one of those moments where I went I'm not none of these things are the answer and I've done so many of them, I should know. It doesn't mean I can't maybe, you know, delve into some of them, but I won't ever because I think I held that up for a moment and I went, that's going to solve all the problems. That's going to be it. At the end of that weekend, I'm going to be fixed. And it's we like do I've this done, for everything. Yeah, and I've done so many of those, you know, and obviously they've all had like impacts and cumulative effects on my overall well-being and capacity to negotiate with my shadow but that was the one that sort of broke me and made me go Mm. I'm not doing that again and nothing is the answer except for the work every day and the integration Mm. of the everyday practices Mm. and tapping into that knowingness that you are fully worthy every day or you know as much as as much as you can and I think that's a pretty common experience I've definitely felt that too like another teacher training or whatever and there's always going to be you know that feeling of oh this book is going to be the answer or this diet is going to be the answer or these essential oils are going to be the answer as much as I hate to say it it's not (laughs) none of the things even the yoga is not the answer nothing is the answer nothing is the answer except ourselves yes getting a bit um a little bit abstract here but but it's 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 definitely definitely true and it resonates with me so hopefully it resonates with some of you too so I feel like we've really sort of touched on shortfalls but do you have any other sort of commentary around shortfalls well I just really think we need to as a culture dissolve this tall poppy thing and especially as women genuinely start to support each other and prop each other up and yeah give each other that praise that genuine camaraderie that um you know we might be in fear of not receiving i think yeah we can do that for each other you know we can Mm. change the culture around tall poppy and it's up to us to do that so i think we'll we'll roll into recommendations because we're coming to time and i am going to recommend something that's actually called the work um and it's this beautiful actually you could if you wanted to sort of I guess gloss over that sounds terrible but if you wanted to get <laughs> want to fast actually, track the work. if you want to get a taste of this lady you could just listen to Oprah Super Soul's conversation with Byron Katie is her name and she's this amazing thought leader she's written a gazillion books slight exaggeration there but she's written a lot of books and she she runs Oprah through I guess one of her fundamental philosophies around shutting down <laughs> the shadow shutting down that 
awful, horrible voice inside of our head and there's four questions and there's something like, um, this is not verbatim, but um, when you think a really shitty thought, you say, is it true? Do I know that it's true? Who am I when I think that? And who am I or what is my potential if I don't if I don't think that? If I don't Some, believe that is true. If I don't believe that is true. Something like that. And anyway, there, it, there's those four questions are really helpful in just breaking that thought down, particularly if it's a recurring thought that you can isolate, I think. So the Super Soul Conversation podcast and then you can go onto her website as well and we'll put both of those in the show notes and just have a look and see if her stuff resonates. What What are you going to recommend? I'm going to res- uh, recommend a quite a fun watch. It's currently on Netflix and it's Brene Brown's Call to Courage, I think it's called. It's her – basically it's kind of a, a presentation it's or a, a talk keynote. that she did. Yes, yeah. and she's so – bloody great she's so funny in it and it, i think she is one of the most amazing teachers of our time yes so definitely. yeah her current work is all about leadership and her most recent book was dare to lead and i loved that as well so yes check it out and i think that that is the wrap that's it Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elevate. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. For any further updates with me, you can come along and follow me at Instagram. I'm at at Shopkins Health. And if you'd like to stay tuned with me throughout the week, I'm at yoga underscore alchemy on Instagram. And what we would love right now is if you can hit subscribe, leave us some stars, leave us a few words, any questions or feedback. We love to read. So keep it coming and have an amazing day.